tips and ideas, real estate contracts, market trends, home values, and more. It's a talk radio show, and you can follow along online. If you have any questions during the show, please call 781-837-4900. We'd love to talk real estate. If you missed any of our shows, you can listen on my podcast at talkrealestateradio.com. If you would like a one-on-one consultation with me regarding your home sale or your home purchase, you can connect with me anytime at bostonconnect.com or 781-826-8000. Now, sit back, relax, take good notes, and let's talk real estate. And hello to all our South Shore neighbors. You are listening to Talk Real Estate Roundtable with Boston Connect Real Estate Broker Team. My name is Melissa Wallace and I am joined in studio tonight by my team member, Mary Baker. Hello. Hello. And oh, look, there's Justin. We have Justin joining us. Um, How's your internet going over there? We will find out over the next 45 minutes. Okay. Justin Hughes um, is joining us from Boston. And then we also have Sharon McNamara joining us via Zoom. Hello, Sharon. Hello. How is everybody doing tonight? We're doing well. Fantastic. And you know what? Because we Why? have two very special guests tonight, um, we will uh, we will introduce them. I know in just um, a moment. Yeah, we will introduce them in just a moment. But we wanted to um, keep it sort of local and giving back and in sort of getting into the holiday spirit. Um, we only have a couple shows left of the year, so um, and then tonight we're we're only on until seven o'clock tonight. So we're going to keep it um, concise and and on a purpose point. with our with our two very special guests tonight. And Dustin, that's your job. That to is keep your us on job, Dustin. <laughs> No pressure. No, no, no pressure. Um, and then we don't we don't have a little break, so we're just going to go right into um, right into our topic. So, Dustin, why don't you get us started with our first guest? Yeah, awesome, awesome. So tonight we are being joined by Peter Foreman. Peter is the president and CEO of the South Shore Chamber of Commerce. Nice. Yeah, I know. Well, we're all South Shore local, so that's awesome to hear. I am super excited about keeping it hyper local during the holiday season this year, just with everything that's going on. I mean, we're always about the community. So to have, you know, him with us tonight um, is just really a special treat for me. You guys did a really good job putting the show together for me while I had other things to uh, deal with uh, with family matters. What's a team for? (laughs) (laughs) so peter first and foremost how are you doing great all things considered for this year we're uh, just a few weeks away from getting rid of this year so that's good i know end of 2020 come on let's usher it out (laughs) let's end it on a high note though guys and it it on a nice positive cheerful note (laughs) um well, Peter, can we, um, I was going to say, start off by just, you know, giving our listeners a little brief introduction to who you are and really who the Chamber of Commerce is. Sure. South Shore Chamber has been around for over 125 years at this point. Uh, we are the largest business association uh, on the South Shore, the third or fourth largest Chamber of Commerce uh, in the state. And... Um, being a regional chamber, uh, a lot of our focus is on uh, the regional economy, economic development for the area, uh, political advocacy for the region, and uh, stay pretty busy with that, particularly 
in a time like this when uh, there are so many changes taking place in business and so many more changes that are going to take place as we get into recovery. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I mean, that's the direction we're going in. And, you know, I'm sure you've been answering these questions for, for months now, but I mean, it's obviously a, it's a trying time, but I mean, with COVID and with everything going on, is it, has it affected the chamber's goals or missions or initiatives kind of moving forward? Yeah, it, it's certainly changed the way we operate just as it has uh, for most of our, uh, most of our businesses. Uh, the chamber had uh, traditionally does an awful lot of uh, work bringing people together so that they can meet one another, exchange information, get a lot of peer mentoring. Uh, we had to pivot very fast in March from our in-person events. And our, per, our events would be anywhere from six people, very small uh, uh, intimate gatherings to 500 people. Uh, but we had to quickly abandon all of that and switch to uh, remote as everyone has. And as you know, being in the... Uh, you know, the, the information business, the communication business, going from live to remote, uh, just as going from radio uh, to uh, internet, it's not as simple as just putting a camera on <laughs> the meeting. You, you've, you've got to change up, not just how you do things, but you have to change up uh, what you're going to talk about and how you're going to present it because you mm-hmm. can't have you know, the give and take of five people talking at the same time. And there's got to be a topic driving it. So uh, there are a lot of changes that we've done uh, with our programming. And uh, obviously the need of our members have have changed quite a bit. Uh, Not surprisingly during COVID and particularly the first uh, phase of it, um, there was a lot of concern about how people simply Uh, keep operating how they save their business. So our focus on member services and how we serve them uh, had to change. And there's been an awful lot of uh, work this year on just trying to provide information and do uh, what might be called constituent service or concierge service for individual businesses uh, that were having uh, very specific problems. And we tried to help out uh, that way. Fortunately, we've been uh, involved for several years on a, a large economic development plan for the region. That's been progressing and actually moving forward a little more quickly during this because more members are appreciating the fact that um, the whole economy is subject to some risk now. Mm. So. So that woke up, uh, that got the attention of a lot of people realizing, you know, as good as the South Shore is, we could be at a strong economic disadvantage coming out of this, heading into recovery. Um, so that that part of it's moved forward. But for businesses that really are two phases of this, it was the slowdown, which was devastating as everyone, all of your listeners can appreciate when you have a sudden business disruption. Mm-hmm. But the second phase is going to be recovery uh, because we don't know how people are going to change their behavior. We don't know 
how people are going to change their living conditions and choice of jobs. Are we going to be getting more people leaving the city coming to Boston? Are we going to have more people who uh, are going to work part-time at home, part-time in the office? Um, for a lot of businesses, they survive by cutting a lot of expenses. Hmm. Yeah. As you, as you try to reopen, uh, you got to have the overhead and capacity to grow the income in the top line. And that might be harder to do uh, when you've cut a lot of the support you've had um, for, for maintaining a business. So there are two real challenges here for uh, businesses. And then we expect to see a fair amount of turnover of business leaders. Uh, whenever you have a big disruption like this, it, it sort of encourages some businesses to finally make the, the decision to sell mm -hmm. or to merge or to pass on the business to the next generation. So that creates some more turmoil and adjustment. On the upside, we've seen a lot of people, um, as you would expect in a recession, to uh, maybe start their own business. So we've seen some new business startups during this as well. So a lot, a lot of churning, a lot of creativity, a lot of energy. It's, it's interesting. I see even on my block a handful of new offices popping up and your initial thought is, God, these people are crazy. What are they like? Do they, do they know what's going on right now? It's just, it isn't the time and exactly like you're saying. And I mean, once you have the time to kind of invest in mm -hmm. what you want your future to be, it actually might be the perfect time. Yeah. You know, for a lot of people starting during a recession or an economic downturn, is actually the perfect time. Um, you know, you have you have more time at it. The um, the overhead is lower if you're brand new. Yeah. So you can work a uh, a tighter ship, less overhead, sometimes less cost. That sometimes creates a niche or um, a, a slight temporary advantage uh, among established businesses. Mm -hmm. um, and you get that energy. The South Shore is loaded with entrepreneurs. We, mm -hmm. you know, the DNA of the South Shore is we have a lot of people who live here, but work in very large companies, work up in Boston, have a lot of experience, but they want to give up the long commute or the big corporate life. And they bring a lot of, of smarts, a lot of business smarts, mm -hmm. and then finally get that itch. They're going to do it on their own. They're going to start their own. So we're seeing some of that. Yeah. Peter, one thing for me is um, I actually opened Boston Connect Real Estate. I went out on my own uh, in 2010. So that was the very bottom of real estate at that point. Yeah. And, you know, it was interesting because what sort of pushed me ahead to do something was, you know, seeing what was going on in the corporate world and just wanting, you know, something boutique -y, you know what I mean, where it's like just very client focused. I'm not saying the big companies are not, but it was just, you know, when you have upper management to worry about in those declined times, you make different decisions. And I just remember saying, I said to my husband, like, all right, let's sell our boat and open up a real estate office. And people thought I was, but my thought was, there's no place for me to go but up. <laughs> we're already at the bottom and it was probably the best time 
for me to do that. And I remember reading um, either an article or one of the many books I've sort of dabbled in um, when Buffett has, always says, this is that you buy real estate at the at the bottom, right? When everything is, seems bad. So it, it all worked out. Here we are 10 years. Oh, you froze number there. 10. Oh, sorry. Number 10 or 11 in, you know, uh, in Plymouth County for real estate firms. So it's I was a really good time. We're going to chime in with that story, Cher. <laughs> I was like, come on, where, where is she? I was it? like, we have our own entrepreneur on the, on the call right now. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, yeah. Peter, listening to you talk, just from my perspective, because I'm, I'm um, kind of un- unknowledgeable, I guess. I, I don't know too much about the South Shore Chamber and everything that you guys do and provide, but it seems like you have a lot of um, support out there for people who are starting new businesses and kind of an ability for them to lean into you and be able to provide uh, just information and kind of um, get them started. Is that is that kind of what you guys do is networking and also providing, not intel, but like support? Yeah, sure, it, it, it's part of what we do. Uh, we have some very good partners we work mm-hmm. with, uh, SCORE, the um, uh, senior executive Corps of Volunteers that give free advice. The Mass Business Development Office gives free advice to startup businesses or any business actually to help. Um, but really where a chamber becomes very helpful, it's less about kind of the classroom type of um, presentation on how to run a business. And it's more about bringing people together so that there is uh, a lot of peer learning mm-hmm. and a lot of peer help. You know, one thing about people in business, and I think particularly true on the on the South Shore because we have so many people who are are sort of midlife or mid career business entrepreneurs. Mm-hmm. They've been through a lot, uh, and they're incredibly generous with their time and their expertise. So when they see another business professional. Uh, whether it's an owner or somebody who works for a business, looking to grow, looking to try something new, looking to learn. Uh, the, 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 the business people on the South Shore are just very generous stepping up and doing that. So a lot of what we do, some of it is providing information, some of it's providing direction. An awful lot of it is providing opportunity uh, for people to open their minds, mm. expand their relationships, and uh, be willing to to learn and be challenged about their assumptions of business and learn from people who may have gone through the same um, speed bumps on their yeah. business plan that mm. the new entrepreneur may be going through. I feel like Peter, that's so important, especially given, sorry, Sharon, just this time that we're in right now, I feel like that's so important to be able to learn from each other's failures and successes, right? Mm-hmm. 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 I, um, I just want to be able to... Just ask one question. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Mel. I'm sorry. I just wanted to be able to give our listeners the phone number. So if you have any questions um, for Peter, the number for Ben at the studio is 781-837-4900. Again, you're listening to Talk Real Estate Roundtable with the Boston Connect Real Estate Broker Team. Peter, um, please continue if I if I uh, <laughs> cut you off. I just want to be sure. So if you have any questions for Peter or, or for us, um, give Ben a call at the studio here. 
So I had a question just in regard to the way that the chamber works. So I had been um, I'm part of the Pembroke Chamber of Commerce and I was on the board at one time, really enjoyed it, such a great group of people and volunteers. Tell me a little bit about um, how you sort of collaborate with all the different um, chambers, individual chambers. Is it something that you're finding a lot of your members of their Sure, they're also part of these individual town chambers as well. Uh, it varies on the business um, and and what the company's footprint is, mm -hmm. and how many people are working for them. Because one person you know, can't easily mm -hmm. cover um, fifteen um, different chambers. Mm -hmm. um, uh, Patty Dunnigan does it from uh, BizTax, <laughs> and I think she was active with Pembroke. So you, you may have heard her mm -hmm. talk. Joining 15 yep. uh, different. Mm -hmm. uh, well, I was texting with Peter Brown earlier today. Yes. Peter, so. does, Peter does five or six chambers. Yes, he is a great guy and he's such so, a nice community based, you know, he's always given back. So we get our work, we achieve a lot of our goals for the region through collaboration, and that may be through federal or national groups. I'm very active with uh, the U.S. Chamber and a couple of committees and some associations. We collaborate uh, pretty closely with most of the Boston and statewide business groups. And then we try to co collaborate with local chambers um, where there's a willingness and where there are some common interests. Our focus is not a single town. Mm -hmm. That focus is very important, but that's not what we can do as a regional chamber. It's not what we can do best. So we have found as part of our, our work in uh, helping the region succeed is we will focus on a lot of the, the regional issues and then try to partner with local chambers where they're doing something that to them may look very local, but to us fits into a much larger regional picture and we will try to support them. So we have, um, six or seven business associations and local chambers that we are formally affiliated with. We provide backroom support to them. Uh, we provide some staff time. Uh, and that's also the local chamber can be uh, stronger and more effective at working some of the local community issues, the interfacing of business with the community and with uh, their town halls. And, and so we try to do some of the, the uh, back room record keeping assistance uh, for those chambers and then compare notes about what we see happening in Boston uh, or in Washington and what we're doing regionally, find out what the, the uh, local chambers may be doing. And where there's a chance to collaborate, we can, where there may not be any interest, you know, we don't, we don't push it. Mm -hmm. So, oh, sorry, go ahead. Mary, it's all you. <laughs> I was going to say, <laughs> when you talk about collaborating from uh, both a regional standpoint, um, collaborating with Greater Boston, I mean, I love that idea. I'm, I'm actually from inner city Boston myself originally, so, um, and so isn't Sharon. Thinking about just different mentalities, and like you were saying earlier, bringing that, that, men, that inner city mentality down to the South Shore and just those <laughs> big ideas type thing. Um, is that something that you're doing 
annually or by do you like have a schedule and how can people get involved with stuff like that that's i'm just curious i know nothing about the chamber of commerce so I, i'm sorry if i'm asking like benign yeah. questions or yeah it's it's not so much done at a at the member level with joint events it's more done at the um sure. at the, the the president ceo level of organizations where we will get together um periodically used to be almost monthly that the Boston and state business groups would get together and we'd be one of the chambers in those discussions. Um, there would be constant phone calls. We mm -hmm. had a conversation yesterday with um, somebody from the Boston chamber staff about transportation. Uh, so it'd be a lot of that com uh, joint collaboration of sort of assessing what's going on in each of our markets where we have common interests um what political issues we might be able to all get behind mm. on so it's a it's more of that than it is joint member events gotcha well, that's good to, i mean it's just it's good to know that um like you said you were, it used to be maybe monthly calls calls maybe COVID has um stopped that a little bit but if you're seeing from like a larger business or a larger organization standpoint up in the city how it's affecting greater boston and then how small businesses are being affected down here i think yep. the cross the crossover is kind of interesting to be able to talk about so there there's obviously an absolute connection to that uh the boston economy is not just boston in fact a lot of the boston economy it's considered biotech and that's cambridge um, but the, the Boston Metropolitan, which is about a third of the state, um, that economy includes all of the South Shore and Boston. And you certainly have different pockets of strength or influence uh, within those. But um, if Boston doesn't succeed, the South Shore is not going to thrive. And if the suburbs aren't doing well, that's going to affect Boston. So we all have a common interest in protecting um, our own businesses, our own communities and neighborhoods and advocating for them. But we also need to, to, to be aware and advocate for the greater Boston economy, the Massachusetts and New England economy, and ultimately the U.S. economy. So the, the, these are all, they're not distinct interests. We all focus on different parts of it, but we all see the connections. Mm -hmm. One of the things that's interesting as you were talking, and this is why we call it a round table, Peter, because somebody will have a great thought and idea like you, and it makes me sort of wonder about different things that are going on. And what we have been seeing in the city is it's very slow in there. And we're seeing in real estate that a lot of people are moving this way uh, just because they do have the ability to work, you know, remotely. So one of the things I was sort of considering as you were talking is, you know, I feel so bad for our small businesses. And, you know, I grew up in Dorchester. My, mo my mother and father had a little convenience store. I know my dad's listening. Hi, dad, I love you. And, you know, those small businesses, I feel that, you know, Boston is seeing such an impact and it's so quiet in the city right now, but it, at least like some of that business is coming to our smaller businesses around here. Even if it's still quiet in the restaurants, 
you know, the city is basically shut down. So at least maybe they're getting some more of the takeout and different services there. Um, as we're getting ready to sort of wrap up you with some of our time, um, I know Dustin may have some other questions, but I just wanted to know what are some of your suggestions for our WATV listeners on how we can, you know, support and stay hyper-local this year in thinking about our small businesses? You know, you, you try to shop, you try to do the as much extra as you can. So shop local. Um, and, and local doesn't necessarily mean it isn't a national uh, brand because mm -hmm. if they have a local store, those are local residents who are working there. Mm -hmm. uh, but a little more um, window shopping and store visiting than online ordering. Mm -hmm. and, uh, just having trucks drive up to your house <laughs> uh, would help. Uh, now we're fairly late into the Christmas season, which is sounds like it's going to be cut short by at least two days um, with the storms. But it isn't going to be just about Christmas. There is, uh, you know, there's a long road ahead for recovery. And what we're finding with a lot of our members is they're going to survive 2021, but 20, I'm sorry, 2020, 2021 may look harder for a lot of them because they've gone through their reserves, yeah. they cut expenses as far as they can, and they have to scramble next year to try to keep up with um, an expected pace of recovery and growth. And sometimes growth can can kneecap you as much as a slowdown. Um, so you know, remember that this doesn't end just when there's a vaccine. This doesn't end just when everyone is vaccinated and we're not wearing masks. Most businesses that we talk to are looking to 2022 as a year when things stabilize for their business plans. Mm -hmm. So staying, keeping all of this in mind and supporting local businesses uh, for the next year and uh, uh, helping where you, you can is going to be important. Mm -hmm. Tipping well is what we say, right? <laughs> to make sure we're tipping well. Peter, we cannot thank you enough for joining us. This has been an absolute pleasure. Hopefully, very educational for me. Very informative. <laughs> yeah. Yes, I want to join. Can I join the South Shore Chamber now? Uh, <laughs> so I have to be sponsored, yeah. Peter. We can join anytime. Okay. Hopefully, we can have you back in 2021 for uh, for a little update on what we yeah. kind of started awesome. discussing tonight. Yeah. Uh, I'll be glad to. Evening meetings are so much easier now. <laughs> after and it's not bad. So uh, yeah. you do it right from the comfort of your own home. There you go. Awesome. Well, Peter, we won't thank even you so tell much. anybody if you have a glass of wine while you're joining us, by the way. <laughs> this isn't tea. <laughs> That's great. Awesome. We'll have a very, very happy holiday. And again, thank you for such short notice uh, doing this with us. We really appreciate it. And with all kidding aside, I do want to join the South Shore Chamber. I do, <laughs> uh, I do want to get more focused now that both my girls are through college and one just passed the bar and oh, one is doing her thing. And yeah, thank you. I'm really excited about well, that. Give me a call offline sometime and we'll talk about our housing and real estate initiative, which is <laughs> economic strategy. 
Sounds great. Perfect. Awesome. Look forward to it. Thanks, Thank you, Peter. Peter. Thank Have you, a great Peter. night. Peter's great. That was great. great. Peter was great. <laughs> yeah, he was. Great. Um, Pam, are you still here with us? We do. We do. We have um, another guest. Dustin, do you want to introduce our next guest we have tonight? Yes. Equally as much looking forward to this guest. Pam has been fantastic so far every time I've spoken to her. Pam Denholm, she is the executive director of the Weymouth Food Pantry. Pam, how are you doing? Hi, guys. I'm doing good. Awesome. Hi. Thank Hi, you for joining Pam. us. Pam, are you bashful? Is that why we can't see you? (laughs) I am bashful, and I'm also hiding in the laundry room. (laughs) (laughs) We appreciate appreciate that. Sorry to make you wait to talk to us. You've been hiding in the closet this whole time. (laughs) (laughs) Face in the house, can't hear the dogs bark. (laughs) (laughs) This is real life, people. Yeah, real life. (laughs) We will get right to it, though, Pam. We can start the same way. Can you tell? a little bit about yourself and you know who the Weymouth Food Pantry is. Yes, thank you. Um, and it was so, so great that I can follow Peter Foreman because we are members of the South Shore Chamber too, and um, they've been really wonderful about supporting nonprofits in our community and connecting us with business leaders to help um, provide skills and resources and all kinds of things. So, um, another shout out for them. Uh, membership is worth every every penny. Mm. I, I can say when when I let Peter know that you would be joining him tonight as our guest, he was very happy. I said, "Oh yeah, I know Pam. Go, this, uh, <laughs> this, is, this is turning all right. This sounds fantastic." Mm. <laughs> so the Weymouth Food Pantry has been around for thirty two years. Um, we started in the basement of uh, the Church of Immaculate Conception in Weymouth, and I think our um, The way we've grown is very um, traditional for food pantries. Uh, We're now out on our own. We have a warehouse. The Weymouth Food Pantry is very unique in the way we operate. Um, Weymouth, one of the challenges for residents in Weymouth, one of the biggest barriers to accessing the food pantry um, back in the day was transport because we don't have a really good, strong transport infrastructure in Weymouth. Um, And if you're hitting on hard times, you can imagine that transport could be very difficult if you don't have a car or if you're struggling to afford gas or insurance. Um, and so when we were, you know, looking to move out of the church and, and design our services, um, we hit upon this really great model that allows us to have mobile food pantries. So we have a warehouse, which is um, our central location, and then we actually go load up our truck and go out into the community with food, and we have... Oh. Three wow. distribution days, one in North Weymouth at the First Church in Weymouth, um, one in East Weymouth at Crossroads Worship Centre, and one in South Weymouth, and that is at Old South Union Church. So we kind of have Weymouth blanketed. Um, nice. In addition that to that, wonderful. Yeah. Yeah, it really, really works very, very well. So. Um, mm-hmm. In addition to that, we have, we're one of the food pan, few pantries on the South Shore that has, um, there are a couple of us, but um, we have a home delivery service. So if anyone is homebound through illness or disability, um, we take care of them. And then we also have a um, hunger-free schools program where we partner with teachers in Weymouth who are our absolute heroes. Um, you know, this, the program was first um, I think initiated by a teacher, her name is Alexander, 
and she um, noticed that some of the kids were coming to school on Monday hungry and um, quickly came to realize that these kids rely on the um, reduced breakfast and lunches at school to help meet yeah. their nutrition needs. But when they go home, that program isn't there to support them. So we collaborated and started the Hunger Free Schools program and we send home a backpack of food for kids. It's a voluntary program. You sign up for it and it has some meals and some snacks and some, you know, a couple, some fruit and whatever. And then that bridges the gap between Friday and Monday. God, that's like amazing. Like I kind of want to cry. I'm literally <laughs> getting like, angry. I'm of it. That's, like, that's awesome that you but guys it's do that. So, it's so true. Like, you know, you just, there's so many kids, not just in Weymouth, all over that, you know, rely on food at school, mm-hmm. um, you know, that assistance. And and we we have a friend who is a teacher um, and, she, you know, she has told us stories about, you know, kids bringing the food from, from school home because they don't have any food at home. Um, it just breaks our heart, breaks our heart. But for all of our listeners again um if you want to talk to us or to pam um the number at the studio for ben is 781-837-4900 again 837-4900 if you want to talk to um to pam or 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 us um (laughs) but yeah i'm like so like i don't know why i'm excited about this part but like i just uh, my heart just breaks my heart breaks my heart breaks yeah, I mean, you don't think... I was born in Zimbabwe. You hear I have an accent. Hunger is very yeah. visible on the African continent. You know, you see it wherever you go. Um, and when I first moved here, it, you don't see it. It's, it's not something that's immediately apparent um, when you go about your day-to-day business. So when I first started interviewing at the food pantry, I was like, really? You know, who's going to come? <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I was really surprised. Um it's a real issue. It's a, it's a big issue on the South Shore. It's a big issue in every single one of our communities. Um, and so, you know, I feel very strongly that the work we do is very important. It is. Us you, too. So we're going to ask you a couple questions <laughs> yeah. about it. Yeah. No, it, you've already touched base on some of the, you know, logistical improvements you've made and how you run your, run your food pantry, which is already very encouraging. But, you know, these past couple of months, has COVID affected your ability to either well, I guess both collect and distribute? Oh, my goodness. On so many levels. Um, <laughs> so on the collection level, yes, the mail carrier food drive usually happens for us every year in May. And the mail carriers, all our, our mail car- carriers around the country actually collect food for their local food pantries. Um, we usually get around, I, I want to say, it's a good couple thousand, like eight or nine thousand pounds of food from that food drive and that food drive couldn't happen this year for us um and it impacted you know it's impacted a lot of food drives that we had planned over the year i mean people have pivoted and we've had neighborhood food drives and sports teams collecting for us and so it has helped and buoyed us along but it's definitely early on was was one of the challenges um and then of course we have a robust food rescue program we partner with grocery stores um and so we have this food rescue program that collects food that maybe the label you know there's something wrong with the label or maybe it's um close to date or whatever it is and and we so we go and pick up the food and we're able to distribute it at the food pantry well when the grocery stores were wiped out earlier this year (laughs) they had nothing Mm. to give there was nothing to rescue it had all been rescued already (laughs) So, um, you know, that put a big, we, you know, in 2019, we collected about 120,000 pounds of the food we distributed from grocery stores. And I think um, we are probably sitting at less than half that this year. Wow. Oh, oh my gosh. 
So that was a big act. Um, so yeah, it's been in terms of collecting food, it's been we've had to be super creative. But um, in terms of distributing food, I think that our business model, because we're already loading up a truck, because we're already going out into a community, we were well positioned when we had to pivot to go change from inside to outside. So we have been doing drive-through pantries at all locations, completely contact-free, um, right since the beginning. And it's been a great way to keep our volunteers safe and our community safe, people coming to the food pantry safe. You know, every you know, every at every step it's it's really it benefits everybody. So um, that's been a good thing. Do you have uh, any what, other major drives or events that are currently planned right now? Uh, yes. So our big holiday distribution is coming up for this Saturday. Um, it is going to be the biggest distribution we have on our calendar for the whole year. We are distributing all the fixings for um, a holiday meal um, prior to the holiday so that families, regardless of circumstance, can you know gather around an Albay smaller table this year than what is normally um, the case to, you know, break bread and share a meal together. So um, we'll have everything from potatoes and cranberry sauce and a ham or a turkey or whatever it is, you know, that your family prefers. We'll have all of that. And we're going to be serving around 700 families through a massive drive-through event at Weymouth High School this Saturday. Wow. wow. Are you, Pam, are you still looking for donations or, um, you know, are, what is it that you are looking for if we can still donate? Yes, uh, donations are very welcome. This year has hit us hard. Um, you know, it's, it's, I, I hate to reduce the stories that we hear at the food pantry and the struggles that people are going through to numbers because it seems so impersonal and it doesn't do some of the stories that we've heard justice. But um, last year, our food pantry had a record year. We distributed the most number of pounds ever in the history of the food pantry and we had distributed for the whole year 440,000 pounds. Wow. This year, we're going to hit 700,000 pounds. Um, wow. So the, we are seeing probably 30 to 40% more families than we normally see. Um, people coming to us for the first time who've never used a food pantry before. We are seeing people more often. So a lot of families who used to use us just to bridge the gap if they were on SNAP benefits and the SNAP benefits ran out in the last you know, week of the month and they came to the food pantry once a month to help bridge that gap. Those families, some of them we're seeing three or four, three or four times a month now. So, um, you know, it's been a big draw. And I know we have a strong network of food pantries. We are we talk to food pantries in Rockland and Hingham and Quincy and Braintree and Marshfield and Pembroke all over. And everybody is seeing the same thing. We're, we're all feeling, um, you know, we've all had that big um, load and we've all distributed much more food than, I don't know, we've ever thought possible, truly. When we look at the numbers, I don't even know how we've done it. It's just unbelievable. Um, and as Peter Foreman was saying, this recovery, once, once the vaccine is out, once we stop wearing masks, our story isn't done because in the last financial meltdown, it took you know, two to three years for us to see things stabilize, for us to see our numbers start to drop, for us to see families get on their feet and start to be able to support themselves again financially. And now we're seeing those families again, you know, a few years later um, and many other families. And I don't think that 
I think this is going to be the, the normal at the food pantry for at least two to three years. Um, and so donations are just hugely helpful. Um, you can donate online for us. You can mail us a check, um, whichever, however, whatever works for you. Um, but it's, we really appreciate anything that um, people are comfortable giving. That's amazing. Is is it just food that you're looking for donations? I know that um my uh, my aunt is a member of the Old South Union Church and she does like the the clothing there. I don't know if you guys are if that's a part of what you do too or um or is it is it just food products that you're looking for or we just do food. So we welcome food donations and we welcome dollar donations too. Our buying power is seven times that of the average person with um, the assistance and partnership with Greater Boston Food Bank. So with every um, can of tuna you can buy, mm. I can buy seven. So if, you're, um, yes, if you've got $5 and you're thinking, oh, I'm going to go get a can of beans and a can of tuna and donate it to the food pantry, honestly... We can make that money stretch much, much further. That's, um, that's really, yeah, that's really speaking, informative. Yeah. Speaking of that, Pam, um, you really have, I know Dustin, you've been talking with him and i um, really glad that you were able to join us sort of last minute here on our show. And um, really, I just love hearing about everything that you've done for Weymouth. And um, one thing that I would like to do as the broker owner of Boston Connect Real Estate is um, make a donation of $500 to your food pantry. Uh, you guys out a little bit and buy extra cans of tuna and whatever else <laughs> it is that you guys need. Um, so I will make sure that Melissa um, gets that rolling for you tomorrow. Um, again, it's a privilege to just be in the same Zoom atmosphere as someone who is so kind, generous, and giving as you, um, that I just feel like when you give it out in slices, it comes back to you in loaves, and um, we'd love to give you that $500. Oh, my gosh. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Um, that means a lot. You know, it's the food pan my food pantry team and our volunteers have worked so hard this year, and um, when people like you reach out with a donation like that, it really buoys our spirits. It, um, we feel the support. We feel like, okay, you know, like we're seeing the stories, we're seeing the people. So it's not just physical fatigue. You, you can get emotionally tired too. Mm -hmm. So um, when people like you, um, you know, I'm, I'm getting emotional, show us that kind <laughs> of support. If, wow. if you look because we know that we're going to be able to make sure the, day, the doors stay open and that we can continue feeding people and that we'll continue to be there for people when they need us. So I really, my heartfelt thanks and gratitude. Yes. And again, we feel the same way for you. And I can see my ladies uh, here on Zoom. I don't know if you can see us or not, but, you know, they're getting welled up. And I know that Dustin is, you know, he's just like, he's just thinks that you're wonderful. So we just wanted to thank you for that. Um, how can people get in touch with you? What is the website um, so we can sort of finish up our show here tonight? Perfect. Thank you. Our website is um, www.waymouthfoodpantry.org. Um, the donation link button is right on the front page. And if anyone would like to reach out to me personally, I'm at pam at waymouthfoodpantry.org. Perfect. And we will make sure that we get all that information to our WATD listeners if you weren't able to get that. Uh, just feel free to get in touch with us at bostonconnect.com. You can call us at the office, 781-826-8000, uh, and we will be sure to get that message, um, your information to everybody. Pam, thank you so much. And any of the gang here, final thoughts for Pam? 
thank you, Pam. Yes, much appreciated. Oh, yeah. Thank you guys so much for having me. And happy holidays, everybody. I hope you all yeah. enjoyed. Happy holidays. Merry Christmas. And happy thank you. Holidays. Good luck on Saturday. ATD-FM Marshfield, WBMS Brockton. The South Shore's first choice for live team coverage of breaking news, emergency traffic, and severe weather. WATD. Streaming online at 959WATD.com and with your smart speaker just by saying play WATD. deliveries cross-country. The vaccine rollout continues. Mitch McConnell puts the hammer down. We're not leaving here without a COVID package. The latest cabinet nominee. Pete Buttigieg is Mr. Biden's choice for transportation secretary. This is the CBS World News Roundup Late Edition. I'm Peter King in Orlando. From Florida to Maine and California, the distribution points are getting wider. On day two, more locations are administering the COVID vaccine. In Minneapolis, a nurse, Tara Woody, given the first vaccine. I think everyone is just kind of feeling really hopeful that this is the, the beginning of the end. Cheers also in Houston as the first dose is given there. And here in California, the first to get the vaccine in San Francisco, Dr. Antonio Gomez, a critical care specialist. For me, it's not so much receiving the vaccine so much as what it means to our fight against the pandemic. Steve Futterman, CBS News, Los Angeles. Scientists say the Moderna vaccine